0: I think that there's always going to be strongly opinionated people on both sides, or really, it's not two sides. It's like all directions. Right. There's going to be people that gravitate toward all sorts of different opinions and perspectives. But I do think it's important for people that are, well, you know, that are not heteronormative, um, to be able to have experiences that speak to them. You know, there's games are a part of human culture, and. You know, different kinds of orientations and different kinds of genders are also a part of human culture.
1: As it becomes possible for more people to make games, it's a natural progression that we're going to find more voices. Uh, we're going to find more perspectives. And some of those voices, some of those perspectives, may make us uncomfortable. They may provide us with viewpoints that we hadn't considered. And they may challenge our norms. Stuff like that is going to make us feel strange, nervous. And I seek that stuff out. I like to play games to have a better understanding of what I cannot understand from my own worldview and from my own perspective. So there is a big conversation happening as these kinds of games are coming out, and I've wanted to do more to explore that on Giant Bomb, and so I sat down with Samantha Coleman, who is a game designer who had a hand in the early, early days of Unity, long before anyone really knew what it was. We talk a little bit about that uh, early in our conversation, uh, go into a discussion Uh, about a panel that uh, she was on uh, at PAX this year called Queers in Gaming, Gamer vs. Gamer, which brought a bunch of people together to discuss what does this mean? Uh, What is this conversation that's happening? Uh, I'll just take an excerpt from, from the description that says, Places like PAX have brought gamers together and a robust gaming community has formed as a result. Now with the creation of things like GamerX and the increasing prevalence of queer content in gaming, a new gamer subculture has emerged gamers. G-A-Y-M-E-R-S. Is this new subculture a positive development or does it fragment the larger community? Why has it formed in the first place? This was not a panel that I could be at unfortunately, which is why I wanted to sit down with uh, Samantha and uh, we had a a really fascinating conversation uh, about where this dialogue is going, how we can have a better dialogue, uh, and sort of what does this all mean for games. Uh, And so I uh, I will toss it over to us. For the people that are listening, why, not, why don't you introduce yourself uh, and, and maybe give a little background
2: about, about your, yourself as a developer.
0: Sure. Um, I'm Samantha, and I'm uh, a game developer. I'm working on a game called Centris. It's a musical puzzle game trying to do something new with music games and rhythm. Um, I have a background in uh, technology, so I worked for Unity for a long time in the early days. Um, and then I did some prototyping at Amazon, so have always kind of felt like I was on the tool side and really wanting to be in like, the creative content creation and building experiences for people. So I've been doing that independently for a few months now, uh, working on Centris and starting this company. And that's kind of where I'm at now, have a prototype here at PAX. How,
2: how did you get involved with Unity so early on?
0: It's kind of one of those things being in the right place at the right time. The full story is that I was looking at Mac OS 10 widgets back in the day when Tiger was very new and I saw this one that was this 3D like crate moving game and uh, it said Mm -hmm. made with unity and I was like well what's this unity thing so I looked it up and it was this Mac only game engine.
2: It was Mac Uh, only when it started? Oh wow. That's right. I had no idea.
0: Yeah, the creators Joachim and Nicholas and David used Macintoshes themselves and so Uh, Joachim and Nicholas really wanted to make games and they met each other on the OpenGL forums and um, Then started working together so unity came about as being a tool that they were using to make their own games on their own computers and uh, It's yeah, it's it's an amazing story and they're amazing guys and um, I just happened to find it and it was so early um, They didn't have like a Windows editor or they didn't have I don't even think they really supported a Windows runtime yet, maybe only on the web player. Um, But it was a 3D engine and it was C sharp because it used mono. And I was learning C sharp at the time on my Windows machine at work. So I was like, oh, I could work on games using this language I know at home on my own computer. Why not? So I tried it out. There was no free version. There was like a two week trial and then you had to pay $250 to get what's now the free version. So I bought that and then just started using it and learning. Uh, And I got invited to write documentation. So I did a bunch of work writing the documentation for Unity for like version 1.5, and then just kept working on it and then got hired and eventually moved over to to Copenhagen to work with those guys as the QA director for Unity. Just, yeah, right place, right time. It's amazing (laughs) how these things happen. Like you look back and it's amazing how the dots kind of connect. But now they're on top of the world and you know it's amazing I was there while the company was really growing really huge and Sequoia came on board um, and we did the Windows editor and we did the iOS version and the Android version and everybody started using it and it's become what it is today and it's going places that I can't even imagine Uh, but those guys are are super smart and I love the tool because I got to become kind of an expert so I'm using it and uh, I prototype with it and I've done some talks about prototyping with it and um, uh, yeah, just totally love it.
2: So, why don't you tell me a little bit about the, the panel that you're going to be on this weekend at PAX and like what, what sort of the aim is of the, the discussion that you guys are hoping to have.
0: Sure, so it's Benjamin's panel um, and uh, it's about gamer culture, um, diverse gamer culture. So you have people that identify as heterosexual or homosexual or bisexual and what kinds of cultures or subcultures come about when you get groups of people of these different orientations together Um, and I think we're just going to have a conversation about what is it you know we are becoming more aware of each other or I I guess I should say that um, LGBT people and gamers and topics are becoming more prevalent in the game industry so there's becoming more of a conversation and we're becoming more visible to people that kind of don't um, cross into that culture um, things like Dragon Age where you have a character that will, I can't remember his name, he will make a pass at you if you play the game a certain way and uh, a lot of people not liking that. Well, there are a lot of people that do like that you know, and want that in games. Um, and so I think it's just gonna be a conversation about lots of different kind of arms of this truth that we all exist and we can all coexist and, and what's the, you know, what's the overlap Benjamin's done a couple of other panels about like uh, some other things, like how do you sell to people of different diverse backgrounds. Um, I think he did that at Pax Dev. But this is more just for people that you know maybe that your friend is is queer in some way, and like what you know, how can you relate to them or like how can you have shared experiences, that kind of thing.
2: How do you feel about where that conversation is right now? Because certainly, it has led to a lot of really heated conversations about what, what the role um, of having these more inclusionary games in with a more, exclusion, a more inclusionary vocabulary and more inclusionary experiences. But that certainly has, not everyone wants that. So how, how do you feel about where that conversation is and how do, you, how do you feel like we can have, I guess, a more meaningful dialogue? Because it, it, sometimes it does feel like, every, you know, everyone's just yelling at each other. We're not really talking about, you know, what, what it is that is bothering both sides of that equation. It's,
0: um, it's, we're at a very interesting place. I am extremely glad that the conversation's happening at all. Sure. So there are lots of industries where, you know, you just don't talk about sexuality at all. Um, and. I think that there's always going to be strongly opinionated people on both sides, or really, it's not two sides. It's like all directions. Right. There's going to be people that gravitate toward all sorts of different opinions and perspectives. But I do think it's important for people that are, well, you know, that are not heteronormative, um, to be able to have experiences that speak to them. You know, there's games are a part of human culture, and. You know, different kinds of orientations and different kinds of genders are also a part of human culture and have been for a really long time so there should be room for everybody to have an experience that they can relate to um, and so I understand that there is this sense of ownership for people that have loved and played games kind of the way they are more intended toward the cisgender heterosexual you know younger male um, and there's always going to be games for those people, um, but there, that doesn't mean that there shouldn't also be games that are high production value and high budget and uh, you know high impact in the industry that speak to other people. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I feel like there's probably so many conversations going on in so many different corners of the Internet that I don't really want to make a statement about, like, the general sure. state of the conversation. But uh, to me, the worst thing would be that the conversation ends. Because um, I think everyone has, you know, deserves to have their voice heard. And you have things um, like the Queer, Queerness and Games Conference this October um, that's, you know, really talking about one particular side of this. And... Uh,
2: there was just there was it the Gamer X that just happened in San Francisco.
0: Right, the Gamer X Con or Gamer Con. I can't remember the name of it. I feel so bad now. Um, so
2: yeah, For for people that maybe aren't familiar with sort of like the queer game scene, like how would you characterize that? Like what's what's kind of happening in that scene right now that you find interesting?
0: Um, well, I think with the ubiquity of tools like Twine, like Unity. Like HTML5, you have a lower barrier to entry for people that want to express themselves by making a game um, that speaks to them. You know what's what is it that they say? Like when you're sitting in school, if you have a question, you should ask because there are probably a bunch of other people that have the same question that are all afraid to ask. So I think that if somebody wants a particular, someone who loves games wants a particular kind of experience, there's probably Dozens or hundreds or thousands of other people that want that same experience. So um, uh, I love that these things exist and that they can be made and that with a little bit of work um, and some learning and some trial and error that anybody can make these kinds of experiences. Um, and so I don't, I don't know. I, I actually don't know what is the the queer gamer scene, you know? Because again, it is it is fragmented. Um,
2: it definitely, it definitely does feel like we're increasingly you know I think most people that are have looked into this like you know Ananthropy is absolutely you know yeah. at, you know a lot of people knew dysphoria that kind of yeah. that game went pretty wide much wider than than most of these sort of like very intimate personal games yeah, totally, about totally identity correct. and gender and totally. um, so it's been interesting because and it's gonna I, what I'm curious in the future is how much um, as as the tools get better, that and the mechanics evolve, like the the sort of like intertwining of the, these personal narratives with mechanics, where you, they can kind of be appreciated on both levels, where it's not just about the narrative that's being conveyed through interactivity, but also the mechanics like lean into that, totally. and I, and, I, and I think that will allow more people to. Appreciate those experiences when you can enjoy them mechanically and for yes. what they're trying to say.
0: Yeah, I, I like Dysphoria a lot. I played it when you know it went really big, and um, a lot of people questioned the v- the validity of it as a game, and that's really interesting to me because it, we can start to have new kinds of conversation about what is a game, um, and to draw a parallel, you know, a lot of people who are queer. Uh, go through these same kinds of questions about like what is sexuality or what is gender. Uh, you know, we're told it's one thing, but it, there's actually you're inside a box, and if you can learn to look outside the box, you can discover that it can be all sorts of different things. So um, I I think it's unquestionable that Dysphoria is a game, um, and uh, it it is a game because the creator claims it is. Sure. You know just just like anybody you know can claim that their gender is anything like to me gender is not a binary it is a spectrum it is even maybe even a Venn diagram you know or (laughs) like I really want to see like on web forms when it says what's your gender instead of a little checkbox you have like a blank text field it's like (laughs) describe your gender for me so (laughs) So
2: it's like a nightmare for someone like with a database entry like? (laughs) Yeah yeah and I could see that
0: but you know we're getting into this into this era of you know information travels so fast and anybody can be known on the internet with a little bit of work. And, and the subject of self-definition, uh, I think is really, uh, is a really interesting and uh, dense subject of conversation. So even within queer spaces, there are certain words or labels that some groups like and some groups don't like. And so there's a sensitivity issue about like, well, if I want to choose to describe myself as queer, but my friend John doesn't, then I'm going to make sure to only refer to myself that way and and not refer to him that way, because he prefers a different word or whatever. So... um, yeah, I don't know. I, I just love the idea that like games are really intrinsic to human nature. You know, even tag or or primitive games that we probably played in in and around the caves as cave dwellers, um, and that you know, self, the sense of self and self identity, just identity is as intrinsic to being human. So if we can make games that explore identity, then uh, that's we can share lots of diversity of identity with lots of people like with the oculus rift like people are talking about like you know you a big deal with the rift is that you look down and it feels weird if you can't see your body well what if you look down and you see a different body like if you're a guy and you're playing a game and you're on the rift and then you look down and you're in the body of a woman like what does that do or if you're in like a wheelchair or you're a person of a different skin color or you're like a primate or whatever you know or a space alien like these kinds of um, empathy-generating experiences. I think are uh, Well, empathy generation is something that's unique to games that you can't get out of movies or writing or music in the same way. Um, and I love that. I love the possibilities. And they keep expanding and growing. For, for,
2: you know, a lot of people are familiar with dysphoria, but are there, are there other games you would recommend that are... Kind of exploring similar interactive and sort of like narrative storytelling that you would that you would recommend. That too yeah, much well, on the spot.
0: I'm a little bit on the spot. I've been just so much heads down, just programming and designing lately that I've been I've really fallen behind about like what's all the games out there. I I, I played a couple of Twine games, and I think Twine's really interesting. It's like a new kind of choose your own adventure, and I'm sure that there's hundreds of games made with Twine and, and out there and Flash that uh, explore identity that I'm just not aware of. Um, Maddie Bryce, I'm trying to remember the name of her game. Um, I know what you're talking about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, that one looked really interesting, the one made made with RPG Maker. Right. um, And she's working on a new one, and Anna Anthropy's always doing crazy cool stuff. Um, And there's another gal who's local, and I haven't even met her yet, which I should meet her. Um, (laughs) And it's it's the game about, I can't remember the name of it, but it's the one where you... are a block and you will change color based on the blocks around you and so it's really about inclusion and exclusion and in in this game you can wander off and really uh, it's a metaphor for finding your own sense of identity away from other people Um, and that I think those games are all amazing so I mean there's lots of stuff out there
2: (laughs) I'm Are are you interested in exploring any of that stuff yourself with the with the games you make
0: Oh, gosh, I've been wanting to make a game about gender and sexuality since before I went through gender transition. So it's definitely in me, and it's definitely... There's at least one project that needs to be made at some point, but um, that's a project that's too large to be done by myself. Um, You know, I would rather do it in a way that uh, has the fidelity to be broad, um, you know... Well, maybe I also don't know exactly what it is yet,
2: but... You know you have something to say, you're just not quite sure how you want to say it yet?
0: Exactly. I mean, it, you know, it's about social, po- social politics and, and how we judge other people. Just that first, that first appearance, that first, like, okay, well, I can categorize this person by the way they look or what I know about, you know, characteristics that they have from my past experiences. Um, and there's just... That's so rich, um, of, of subject matter to explore that, um, yeah, it, there's a story there that needs to be told, needs to be shared, uh, an experience that needs to be given to people. Cool.
2: Well, thanks so much for your time.
0: Thank you very much, Patrick.